Hey, is everybody okay? We didn't yell loud enough for you or too loud? Hello. I'm going to give you a very short message, but I feel like I have to share it. I was debating the last 15 minutes, if you wondered what was going on in my head. I was debating whether or not I would share this or if I would just, we just sing some more, which we will. We'll sing a couple more songs. But I'm Jake. I, uh, I do stuff. It's awesome. I like being with you guys. That's awesome. Um, uh, this platform doesn't make anybody a better Christian. It actually, most of the time, makes them worse. But it's okay. It's all right. We use it. We believe that Ezra, um, actually, in the book of Ezra with Nehemiah, they actually built a platform so that they could declare the word of God so that others could hear the law and be instructed by it and walk out their lives. So we're grateful for platforms, and we're grateful that God uses men and women all over the planet to preach the gospel and to help people live in the fullness of the gospel and not just an imitation of it. Amen? Um, Okay, so with that being said, I want to talk about government for about 20 minutes, and then I'll be done. (laughs) You're like... That's terrible. That is a bad idea. Please don't do that. No, I'm not talking about the government of the planet. I'm talking about the government of heaven. Because, see, I think we got a little off course. We got a little off track thinking that the governments of the earth were the governments, were the same way that the governments of heaven function. See, the government of heaven is actually not a democracy. You should be really grateful that the government of heaven is not a democracy. Because if you would have had your way when you prayed when you were 18, your life would be messed up. You know what I mean? Like, let's not pretend like those prayers you've been praying that God said no to, they all should have been a yes. All right? We have prayed some crazy stuff. We thought we knew what we were asking for. And if it would have gone down, you would have been with that boy or that girl in the 6th or 7th grade and you'd be jacked. Okay? Like, it would have gone down real bad. You know? The whole deal. (laughs) Now, there's other more important stuff than that. But what I'm telling you is it's not a democracy. We are actually coming to a father, not coming to a president. And it's his government that will increase into eternity, not our government. So we should be really grateful that it's his government and not ours. The only problem is most of us have no idea what the government of heaven actually looks like. We're calling it kingdom, but that's not actually what the Bible calls it. Okay, now I'm even more confused. It's okay. I'm going to get there super fast because I do not want to, like, beat around the bush. I want to get right to the point. Because there is a government that increases into eternity. It does not end, and its power cannot be taken away or revoked by the governments of earth. There is a government in the planet, and you're already a part of it. And I'm not talking about being a part of it because you're a Christian. You were actually born into it. And I want to talk about it because democracy actually will run its course. Our governments will run its course. And then what are you going to do? Is your hope in America or is your hope in Jesus? That's what I'm asking you. I'm trying to get right to the point to ask you what is your hope in. Because there's racism and there's sexism and there's a bunch of stuff on the streets. And it's not a manifestation of hate. It's a manifestation of fear. Because hate is not the opposite of love. Fear is. Fear is the opposite of love. Hate is just some some ways it manifests, but it's actually fear. And if we deal with the root system of fear and stop treating it like it's hate, we'd stop being angry at one another. Because out there, there's some craziness going on because everyone's afraid because they do not know where to turn. And we don't need to just invite them into our churches. We need to invite them into our home. 
Because if all you can do is invite them into the church, because then you really don't have to live out your Christianity, you can just check off your good deed box for the week, you aren't the one doing it right. (laughs) You're like, this is not going to a safe place. It's okay, it's not. It's totally not going to a safe place. I don't want to be in a safe place anymore. Because God does his best work in scary places. In fact, just a couple more pictures for you. The reason we have the presidential candidates we have is because of us. Because the church is the soul of America. It's the soul of the world, whether we want to be or not. And because the church has celebrated celebrity and control for so long, those are our choices. (laughs) So moving on from there, I would just like to say also that you don't have to be afraid of who goes into the White House next month. You actually don't. We're going to get rid of fear because there is actually more than just the White House. There's a king on a throne, and he's not a president. He's actually not a president. And here's the best news. The best news is he's not even a politician. He's a dad. He didn't get voted in. He actually created everything there was. And it's really beautiful news because people are getting really frustrated and stirred up. Which is fun. I love healthy debate. We lost healthy debate in the church. It's like we've, now it's just you're either right or wrong. I like healthy debate where we can both be disagree and then we just go get coffee afterwards. I love that stuff. I'm like, we don't have to like plant another denomination. We can just hang out and talk and disagree. And then we just can go like go have coffee and still go to the same church and still have the same leadership. It's awesome. I love that stuff. Because I'm not really in, guys, if being right is the highest form of our, our relationship, then you will never have any relationships. You're never going to have any relationships if you're only in relationships where you're right. <laughs> Anybody have one of those friends? You're like, yeah, I'd like to get rid of that friend, actually. He, they're not very fun. Every time I bring something up, they're right, I'm wrong, and it's terrible. I don't like going there. But I want to show you how the government of heaven actually operates. But first, I want to show you the way the government of the world operates, and I want to show you how it's running its course because the world is looking for a better answer than the governments of the earth. In fact, look at this. So here's the first slide. I have slides. I'm like a professional. You can't read that. It's too small. I'll read it for you. Oh, no, you, no, you won't. There it is. Okay. It was just me and just my back, which is very attractive. Okay. A democracy. This is, by the way, this was written several hundred years ago, and it's called the Tyler Cycle. It's probably a, it's probably a gathering of several different quotes, but it's all mashed into one. So here's what it says. It says, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote for themselves largesse or money from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. Here's what I'd like to tell you, church. We have seen this story before, and it will happen again because it is a cycle called humanity. But we can break the cycle. Let me show you what the cycle is right now. I'm going to run through it, and then I want to show you the answer. Okay? Here's the way the cycle stands now. The first first thing we see is that we all start at the same place. Do you understand that we all start in bondage? It's an even playing field. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. No one person you will ever meet has not been in bondage. That's great news because most of us can just look at each other and go, yeah, it's hard, huh? And we go, yeah, amen. You know what I mean? Like, and the other person's like, yeah, it's hard. 
Why? Because it's hard. And because we start this journey in bondage and we are spending a lifetime figuring out how to get out of bondage. Most people all are, most people have not turn to Jesus. Most people are trying to figure out what to do with their brokenness. Here's the craziness. Bondage is not just about not being able to do anything. It's also about not knowing you're actually in bondage. Most people are in bondage in their brain. Like, have you ever met those people? You're like, hey, man, do you know you're struggling or do you just like hurting people? You know, like we want to have that conversation, but nobody's going to have that conversation. But we really need to have that conversation. Like, hey, you punched me in the face again, and I'd like to deal with that. And I don't even think you know you punched me in the face. Okay? That's because we are in bondage. In fact, Paul says, he, he says that this, he said he's, he's always working out his salvation. And he says this towards the end of his life. He says, I'm one of the worst sinners. Why can he say that? Because he was a horrible sinner? No, because the closer you get to a holy God, the more you realize you don't belong there. When someone is able to say, man, I am messed up, but you know they're not really messed up. They just go, man, I messed up. Like really, truly, like they're like, man, dude, I got a lot to work on. And you're like, you don't actually have a lot to work on. It's because they've gotten so close to the father that they're like, I still don't look like him enough yet. And I want to look like him more. Not the people with false humility. They're like, oh, brother. It's such a struggle, bro. And what they really want is, like, attention. That's not the same thing. What I'm talking about is Paul, who got so close to the Father. He got so close to a holy God that he realized, I don't belong here. You guys, we are all brands plucked from the fire. If you're not saved here tonight, you don't know Jesus, I want you to start tonight. Why? Because you've tried everything else. You don't need a better reason. I don't need to give you five gospel points. I'm just simply telling you that once you recognize you're in bondage, the next piece is simply this. It's a spiritual awakening. Because everybody who recognizes they're in bondage reaches out beyond themselves and grabs a hold of something. Do you understand that this is a secular process? I am giving you what this is a secular cycle called the Titler cycle, hundreds of years old. This is not, I'm not getting this as like, hey, you guys, I, I made up this really cool cycle. You should check it out. No, this is some secular dude who was working in government who is putting this together and saying this is how the cycle goes. It goes from bondage to spiritual awakening. We call it being born again. We reach outside of ourselves. We find Jesus. And when we get born again, all of a sudden we realize that we have courage. Why? Because everybody who finds something to fight for wants to start fighting. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, my gosh, bro. I just found something. It's awesome. You should know it too. And those people who would never share anything before ever, all of a sudden are the most talkative people on the planet. You're like, what happened to you? And they're like, I found something and I have to share it. And all of a sudden, like Peter couldn't preach the gospel to like a handful of people. And all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit falls, he's preaching to thousands. Because the moment you get woken up, you get courage on your heart. And courage always leads us to freedom. All of a sudden, we realize, oh, dude, guess what? I can do anything. <laughs> I can do anything. Like, right now, sitting in this room, do you understand you could do anything? Like, no, not like, oh, we should try some stuff. No, I'm like, serious. Anything you want to do, you can do it. You live in America. You can go back to school today. You can, go, you can, get, you can get probably grants for any school you wanted to go to. You're like, bro, I could never be a doctor, bro. It's way too late in my life. No, you actually could. You could actually do anything. You have complete and total freedom. 
It's why we need to break apart patriotism and Christianity. They're not the same thing. America's not going to save the world. Jesus is. Democracy's not going to save the world. Jesus is. But the point is that we should, but most people, they hear that and they go, oh, bro, so you're saying we shouldn't, like, go to war. We shouldn't do those things. No, we should defend the freedom we have because it's a right that we have here in America and it should be defended. And we should be taking better care of our POWs who come back from war, who we barely take care of. We should be ministering to them. For supporting them, caring for their families, because they have a d done a great service for us and for our kids and our kids' kids. And you don't have to divorce the Christian patriotism message and not take care of people who are fighting for what we've been given. Does that make sense? Because you can't throw the whole thing out. What I'm saying is, you have intense amounts of freedom here. And when you get freedom, you always end up with abundance. Because freedom always leads us to abundance. In the kingdom, it looks like all of a sudden we realize, dude, I'm free. I can heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Did you know that? I can preach the gospel and prophesy. Did you know that? I don't think you know that. Do you know that I get to talk to God? Did you know that? Yes. You have infinite resource. Ephesians 1 says it this way, that you lack nothing. Ephesians 1, you have what? Everything in life and godliness. Well, bro, I like don't have the money to do what I want to do. Then you actually don't want to do it because I promise you people who want to do something, they end up finding the resource. Right? Those are the people we write books about. We write books about the people who like have nothing and then became something. Amen? We like make movies about them. And when we realize that we can do anything, that we have complete freedom and we have access to everything, here's where it takes a turn. All of a sudden, we become extremely selfish. Because then we ask the question this, what do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? The moment you ask the question, what do I get out of it, you are making a poor choice. This has never been about what you get out of it. The gospel is not about what you get out of it. I know we've tried to make it sound that way, but you are not at the center of the gospel. Jesus is. The glory of God is at the center of the whole thing. Why? Because when he actually gets all the things he desires and you become that person. Let me put it to you this way. We could... We could end abortion, empty every foster care system, empty every orphanage, end STDs, and majority of AIDS on the planet if we just do three things. And we don't need a president to vote for it. We don't need a president that believes in those things. And we don't even need a Supreme Court to do it. You just need to do three things. Are you ready for what they are? Don't have sex till you're married. When you get married, stay married to one person your whole life. And then teach your kids to do the same. You're like, well, I'd rather vote for the president. <laughs> That's the default. See, the default is we're going to get around this cycle because we go, what do I get out of it? No, you. what if you don't get anything out of it, but your great-great-grandchildren get something out of it? What then? We are so single-minded in our thinking that we have made our entire lives about us and we are robbing the generations behind us in order to make sure we have comfort today. 
And when we do that in selfishness, when we do that in selfishness, the very next step is that we become complacent. Well, I don't really care how it goes down. And from complacency, we go immediately to apathy. Not only do I just, like, not care about how it works out, I am completely uninterested in how it works out for anybody, including myself. I don't care anymore. Why? Because I've become so selfish and I've become so concerned with my comfort that my complacency has led me to apathy, which leads me to dependence, which immediately puts me back into That's called the Titler cycle. It is hundreds of years old, and it is not Christian. It's secular. They're showing us, church, do you understand that if we don't break the poverty spirit that's on us, and we do not break the selfish, sinful nature, selfish nature of our own hearts, we will be stuck back in bondage. And worse, our kids' kids will be in bondage, and it will be our fault. You're like, that is the worst message I've ever heard. You are a, last time you talked about suffering, and now you're telling me it's all going to junk. You are the worst preacher ever. Don't worry, I'm going to get you out. We're getting out of this cycle. I am determined with my entire being to get us free from that. We can do it, you guys. And here's what it takes. The place where it breaks is that word abundance. The moment you have abundance, we have to go immediately to gratitude. Psalm 100 says, we enter his courts with praise. We love that part. We want to go straight to praise. We enter his courts with praise. What does it say before that? We enter his gates with... See, you can't get into the courts if you don't go through the gates. The problem is we're not grateful for very much, so we just put a ladder on the wall, climb over the wall, jump down into the courts and go, we just praise you, Jesus, and wonder why we get no breakthrough. We skipped gratefulness, went right to praise, and we're not getting the breakthrough because we don't even appreciate what we have. Because if he gave you more without gratefulness, you'd still make it about you. (laughs) And we don't need to make it about us anymore, you guys. This is great news for us. It takes a lot of weight off of our shoulders because we can just go, man, I have a couple things I'm really grateful for. I had such a good cup of coffee at Sweet Bloom this morning. I am so grateful. We got to drive through the snow last night. When my wife gets to see snow, it's like her head explodes. It's like her heart just, she's like, she's like 10 years old screaming in the car because it's snow. You guys are like, it's snow. Yeah, see, that's the point. When you're around it so much, you forget how awesome it is. You're like, no, you've never had to drive through it. Oh, trust me, we've had to drive through it, okay? What I'm talking about is the beauty of the simple things in our lives that we take for granted because we put ourselves around it so much. But we can be grateful again. I encourage you, if you want to start being grateful, get a journal, write, start writing down one or two things a day. Just start writing them down, just little things. Have you guys seen the sunsets over your city? Good Lord. I'm just saying, it looked, last night it just looked like the sky was on fire. It was so beautiful. But did you stop? 
and say, thank you for that. Thank you that I have eyes to see. I can see it. I even have this phone in my hand that you can let me film it with so I can tell everybody how awesome it is. Because when we go from gratefulness, we go straight from gratefulness to generosity. It's so beautiful. We can go straight from gratefulness to this place where once we know we have and other people don't, guess what we want to do? Give. And it's not even about money. It might be a hug. It might be a word. It might be stuff. It might be food. It could be anything. But all of a sudden, we're so grateful that we have it. We want to find people that don't because we want to give it away. And when we want to give it away, it's what the Bible calls it this word. The Bible calls it, uh, we're back, you, up there, you. You guys are like on it. You're like, slide, 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 slide. You guys are the bomb. All right. We go from generosity, and that's how we enact justice. Because we go from gratefulness to giving. And guess what we do with our giving? Set other people free. In fact, the Bible loves religion, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) Everybody's so busy praying off a spirit of religion, we just don't read the book of James and realize that he actually likes some religion. And it says this, this is the religion the Lord loves. He loves this religion. He says to love the widow and the orphan. You guys, if you don't know what to do, just go love some widows and orphans. If you're like, look, my spiritual life is dead. I don't know what to do. I don't want to pray. I don't want to blah, blah. It's okay. Go love some widows and orphans. Go be a part of loving people that nobody else will love. Because that kind of justice comes from a place of gratefulness and generosity. And when we do that, we end up walking through endurance, which I preached last time. Because what happens, the moment you start setting people free, they start, look, this is what it really looks like. Covenant is not just about who you'll take a bullet for. We've made covenant about, bro, bro, I take a bullet for you. And you're like, dude, he loves me. That's covenant, bro. I'd take a bullet for you. No, covenant is not I'd take a bullet for you. It's also I'd take a bullet from you. See, most people are in as long as I just have to take a bullet for you. So I get credit for being a martyr. But what happens when you're the one that shot me? Covenant is when you shoot me and I tell you, I'm still in. I'm still here and I'm not going. Could you imagine the things we'd accomplish if we knew people weren't going anywhere? Could you imagine what your marriage could be like if you simply knew one truth above all things? This person is going nowhere. Can you imagine the kind of conversations you could have in the body of Christ if you knew on the other side of this phone call, this person is never going to leave. The thing is, when we start setting people free, we begin to tell the world we enjoy the journey. Endurance isn't this bah humbug, boo, this is going to be horrible, we're walking through mud. Endurance is I love the journey and I'm not scared of it and I'll walk into the mystery and as long as it takes, I'm here. Because I don't care where we end up, I just want to go there with you. And here's the beautiful part. Once we do that, We end up back, not in bondage, but we end up walking glory to glory to glory. 
So we wake up again, and then we get fresh courage and fresh freedom and fresh abundance, and then we get more grateful so we become more generous. And we get more generous, we release more justice, and then we release more endurance because we're not even afraid of the other things we were afraid through. The things we had to walk through last time don't even bother us anymore. And we go glory to glory to glory to glory to awakening to awakening to awakening to awakening. In fact, this is what it's called. That's what the orphan spirit looks like, and that's what the spirit of adoption looks like. Because, see, everybody wants to preach a Malachi 4 message. The Malachi 4 message is the hearts of the fathers will turn to the sons, and the hearts of the sons will turn to the fathers. And I said it last time I was here, but nobody wants to preach a Malachi 2 message, which is go home and fix your marriage. Everybody wants to go straight to Malachi 4. We don't need another father's heart conference. We need actual fathers to show up. I can't, do you understand? I cannot lay hands on you to be a good dad or a good husband or a good wife or a good mother. I cannot do that. You actually have to go home and do it. We don't need a weekend. Look, here's the really scary part. Now we try to give people 12 steps. Why do we give people 12 steps to stuff? Not because it's helpful, but because it helps us determine whether or not we're successful. The problem is, I just handed you 12 steps, and if you don't get to walk those out, guess what you feel like? A failure. You feel like junk. Because you're like, I didn't make it even to step two. I must be the worst husband on earth. No, you have a different journey. This isn't about setting up a bunch of roadmaps for people to feel like failures. It's to say, look, this is a giant mystery. Nobody gets it. You don't get it. I don't get it. But we know who he is, so we know that we can follow him because we can trust him. And when we do that, we break the cycle of an orphan spirit, and we birth the spirit of adoption, and here's the only thing that can do it. You ready? The government of God is because his government, what, is ever increasing. Family is the only government that will continue to grow without end. And it cannot be taken away by a vote. It cannot be taken away by some external structure. You guys, the world needs home. They don't need another business opportunity. If we want to love them well, we have got to show them what home looks like and then tell them to come. You really want to change the planet, then go invite people around your dining room table. They might say a few more swear words than you like. They may be dealing with some stuff you don't know how to deal with. And all you have to do is admit you don't know how to deal with it. And they'll love your honesty so much that they'll ask you to become a part of their journey. But that only happens in family. Amen? So this is what uh, we're going to do just one more song. Um, we're going to do another song. But I, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to take, um, we're gonna take an offering. Um, but I want to pray for your families because all I really care about, you guys, is like, great, maybe the cycle made sense, maybe it didn't. All I really care about is that we choose to be grateful and start a new path. I just want to start a new path. Amen?
And so look, let's pray for your families. Lord, I just ask right now in Jesus' name for every family, every home, every mom, every dad, every husband, every wife, I just simply pray this. I just declare, God, that you are good, that you love our families, that you actually like the process, and you're not afraid of where we're at today. You're not afraid of where we showed up. You're not afraid of where we are on that circle. You're not afraid of where we're, what we're going through today. You're not afraid of our frustration. You're not afraid of our offense. You're not afraid of our anger or our bitterness. You're good. And your goodness isn't just because I showed up to church. Your goodness is because you actually like me. And so, God, right now, I pray, right now, every marker we've set up, every, every little tally mark of how it's going to go down, I pray it would die a horrible death right now. <laughs> All these little markers for success we've set up. No, we want to give a new definition of success tonight, and it's that we follow the voice. We follow wherever it leads, and whatever tomorrow brings, we are not afraid of it because it's just another part of our journey. So, God, we kill fear in Jesus' name. We just absolutely say fear, die here. Die right here. Just We even just put it right down on the ground. Let it die. And we're so grateful that you enjoy the journey as much as we do. <laughs> we're going to enjoy the journey now. Amen? Amen. I know. I, I'm like kind of right... That's my daughter. Hello, Geneva. Hi, baby. So um, this is what we do. We kind of travel around, and we just come and blow places up. It's super fun. We're just super loud and obnoxious, and we love it. And we've found places like this where it's like, God, this just feels like home. But um, when we come to places like this, we actually don't ask for anything we haven't asked for anything we just like to come and say hey look we just trust that as we operate in generosity that everyone that gets touched will operate in generosity and this is how we'll kind of do life you know and um, if you want to know how long we've been doing it we've been living this way for 10 years it's been awesome um, no paycheck for 10 years is awesome and scary all at the same time when you have kids and family and it's really beautiful and we've seen God do some amazing miracles, and we have some crazy stuff coming up. Just so you guys are aware, we're shifting kind of our entire ministry to focus on home. We're changing everything we do, and we're going to be launching a new website and some new videos. We're working with Bethel Media, and the whole goal is to launch a ministry called Home. And telling people that their home is just as beautiful as anything else they'll ever do in their whole life. And that everyone outside those doors is just looking for a home too. And so if you'd like to partner with us, support us tonight, we believe that your generosity is the reason that we can keep doing this. Um, so if anything that happened tonight you were touched by, please don't worry about the amount. Just everyone give. If it's a dollar, that's cool. But you guys, we should never miss an opportunity to give. And I have no problem asking for your money because I know where it's going. So... Um, our life is crazy, and we're, you know, we were in a, I mean, we were in a sprinter for 18 hours yesterday, so just to get here. So that's how crazy this life is. It's beautiful, and it's a lot of fun, and we're not afraid of the journey.
And so um, if you'd like to give tonight, if you would like to give an offering tonight to our ministry, there's several ways you can do it. So I'm going to make it really easy. Um, if you'd like to give with a card, um, all you need is your cell phone. You can literally just take your cell phone out right now if you want to give by card. All you need is your cell phone and your card. And just text the amount, space, revival now, all one word, just like it is up there to the number 45777. When you do that and push send, it will totally just send you a little prompt and you can do that. It's super easy. Um, it's really, really easy, super safe and secure. Trust me, Bethel uses the same one. So if it's not, there are a lot of people in some trouble. All right. So we want you guys to be able to give that way card. If you want to give through a check tonight, we're going to pass the buckets. Um, you can make out your checks to Transcendent. It's such an easy name to spell. I have to write it out for you on a PowerPoint because it's impossible. Hooked on Phonics worked for me. Um, and then if you brought cash, um, you can give that as well. You just turn your purse or your wallet over and dump everything out into the buckets as they go around. Um, but I want to pray financial breakthrough for you guys before we do that. Is that cool? Um, Lord, I know that there's a bunch of fear coming out. Yeah. Um, but we want to pray right now that you would do a work and that this offering would be more than just a chance to sow into what happened tonight, but it'd be about what you're doing all over the place. And we come with gratefulness. We come with gratefulness. Amen. We come with gratefulness. Here. 